I had a Twitter fight this morning. We can talk about that. <laughs> Is that uh, the same little Twitter fight that I kind of jumped in and out of real quick? I don't know. Um, about Tara LaRossa? Yeah, the, uh, yeah. The, the lady fighter? I don't yeah. really know how to describe her. Uh, female MMA fighter. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, she actually reached out to me on private message and we had a really cool, inspiring conversation. Mm. And yeah, it didn't even have anything to do with politics. She was actually talking to me about um, participating in combat sports, which oh, is okay. not something that I've ever done before. And I, I think is really cool. Like I admire people who are, you know, like strong like that. I always use my words to fight. So yeah, I've never hit anyone and no one's ever hit me. So I just kind of like admire people who can not, not, not people who hit each other. That's the wrong way to say that. Um, people who can defend themselves if they need to. I admire that. Yeah. Um, coming from a, a little bit of the background that I have, uh, you know, growing up poor, uh, South side of Houston, which was a rough neighborhood. You, you had to learn how to fight really quickly. So mm, anytime okay. that I see people like trying to get into fights in real life and they don't know what they're doing, I'm like, Oh, someone's going to die or someone's going to get really, really hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you guys don't know I'm, what you're doing. <laughs> I'm four feet, 11 inches tall. So I have avoided physical confrontation all of my life. Yeah. And if I ever needed to throw a punch, I don't think I could. And so I think there would be a lot of value to like learning some self-defense training. Yes. So she, yes, she was just is. kind of being really encouraging and saying, Hey, you know, even though you're small, that actually gives you a lot of advantages in terms mm -hmm. of like center of gravity. And, um, I lost, I lost 40 pounds last year. So I've been working on my physical strength now that I've gotten all that weight off yeah. and I am open to trying things that are sort of outside of my wheelhouse. So I don't know. I might go down to a fighting gym and check it out. Yeah. Um, I can't talk up brazilian jiu-jitsu enough um because as, as far as like having actual application in real life that's uh, pretty much it most of the mm -hmm. fights that you could ever possibly find yourself are usually going to go to the floor pretty quickly mm -hmm. uh so knowing how to wrestle around somebody is uh is definitely beneficial um, grappling yeah uh the first punch that usually gets thrown is going to be a wild haymaker from the right just because most people are right-handed Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. if you can see that shoulder tele telegraph, you kind of know what's coming first. So yeah, big these are things I would never pick up on. <laughs> I would just be flattened immediately. Yeah, somebody, um, I think Luke from the Biting the Bullet podcast, he posted this video of someone playing a guitar singing Sweet Home Alabama. But mm -hmm. some other guy like jumped up and like tried throwing a punch at another guy and he like ducked it immediately because the there was a big old haymaker from the right. And he turned around, got an uppercut to the face, and got knocked over. Oh, damn. I was like, yeah, every stupid person who's going to throw that wild haymaker is going to pay for it if they get into a fight with somebody that knows what they're doing. <laughs> you know, my dad was a drill instructor in the Army when I was growing up. And he says that a lot of people who knew martial arts techniques, yeah. they always stepped up to the plate. They always wanted to challenge him with these martial arts moves that they felt they had learned. He says these guys would be able to low, uh, land like eight or nine blows on him, but it only took one yeah. to, to knock him down. And so you can know all the, the techniques and things in the world. But if you, uh, you know, you get hit <laughs> by that one good haymaker, you're down. So, yeah. Well, the, the other thing is, is just kind of dodging whatever they're going to throw first. And typically Americans have learned karate or taekwondo as their martial mm -hmm. art of choice. And so just be prepared for like a front kick or a side kick. 
coming from yeah. those guys. And then uh, once you've dodged that out of the way, then, you know, everything else is fair game. <laughs> but uh, yeah, usually with people who don't know how to fight, it's just going to be that wild punch. It's going to be the first go-to. Or they might try to tackle you because they've watched enough UFC and they think they know how to... Uh, <laughs> yeah i'm sure there's a lot of that yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so uh anytime you see a guy in a, like an affliction shirt or a tap out shirt just you know it's like oh he thinks he knows what he's doing because he's watched it so much yeah. <laughs> isn't isn't that the lot of us yes unfortunately the dunning kruger is is there for a reason yeah yeah <laughs> i'm that way too i think i like I watch HGTV a lot and I think that I know how to like remodel homes <laughs> and then I start a project and I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That happens sometimes. I, I remember I was uh, changing a ceiling fan out in uh, my son's room and um, I was like, okay, well just make sure all the power is turned off to the power box. Just, you know, flip it to off. Mm-hmm. And so my wife goes in there and she like turns off the kitchen one because she didn't read the label. And oh, uh, no. I went to go uh, grab one of the wires and, uh, yeah, I got, got a nice little 120 volt. <laughs> Oof. And I, I yeah. pulled my hand away immediately and I shot her a look and it was like the switch under the one that you just flipped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my dear. Son, yeah, I've got, yeah, my got son that and, look for my husband before, too. So. <laughs> yeah, my son gave me an, like an admit. He's like, oh, my God, are you OK? I was like, yeah, it's fine. It's just 120. It's just, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that'll wake you up in the morning, though. Yeah. That's better better than a cup of coffee. <laughs> My hand might be numb for the rest of the afternoon, but I, I think we're going to be okay. You might develop superpowers from something like that, but, you know, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, if only. I've been electrocuted so many times. Jeez. Uh, uh, you know, when you're five and you figure out, you know, that a metal fork can go inside of the uh, the socket. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then you have uh, friends whose moms are like paramedics or nurses and they're like, yeah, you really need to be under observation because that electric current is still going through your body for, you know, 20 hours afterwards. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. They've uh, they've had people die because um, they'll go to the hospital after getting a minor, you know, electrocution like that. And mm-hmm. but that surge is still going through their system. And, you know, it's on rare occasion that it'll actually pass through the heart. It, can they do anything to get it out of you? Like. No, I don't know. You just gotta, or? yeah, you just gotta sit there with uh, under observation. Right. So in case it does go through the heart, they, you know, the crash card is right there, and they can bring you back. <laughs> Jesus! Wow, that's some things I didn't need to know about. Yeah, uh, the other good one is if you have an infection on your face, it's that much closer to the brain, so you want to get infections taken care of very quickly. Oh yeah, well, like with tooth infections, especially that yep. goes bad quickly. A lot of people they find who um, like skeletons from you know, previous to prehistory era, mm-hmm. a lot of those people died from tooth infection. Yeah. It was a common thing. They would get an abscess tooth. And then, you know, a week later, you know, they thought mm-hmm. they took care of the tooth by just removing it. But mm-hmm. the, but the mm-hmm. abscess is still there inside the gum line. Mm-hmm. And once mm-hmm. it travels back yeah. to the brain, that's, uh, that's it. <laughs> Lord. Yeah. I found yeah. out about that I- one. I burnt my face at one point and had a good little second degree burn. It was like, uh, he was like, yeah, we really want to make sure that this doesn't get infected. I was like, okay, well, yeah, uh, no infection is good. He goes, no, because it's on your face and it's closer to your brain. I was like, what does that mean? He's like, cause you could die from it. That's why <laughs> I was like, okay, thanks doc. I wonder if evolutionarily <laughs> that's why face wounds bleed so much more freely mm-hmm. because it's trying to like, you know, we just, we'd rather lose the blood than risk infection. And like your, maybe your body has, or the human body rather has learned 
to bleed out more heavily from the face. Yeah, the uh, you have a lot more capillaries in the skin in your face. Um, but mm. but bleeding itself is a good thing because then you have something coming out of a wound instead of going in. Mm. So there, yeah. there is that. But once you stop the bleeding, yeah, it's got to be covered and got to get medicine and stuff put on it. But Just, <laughs> who knew I'm this so is what we were going to be talking about today? Well, you know that's how it goes with me. Like <laughs> I often get into conversations and they go on like safari. So like <laughs> by the end of it, we're talking about the Queen of England or something, and I'm like, how did we get here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you take a look back. It's like, what? Where did we? <laughs> and then, of course, I have to go back and listen to this later. So I'm like, oh, yeah, that's where we trailed off. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm ADHD enough. So, you know, just be Oh, prepared. me too. So this should be fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I will have to give myself a pat on the back. I had uh, Skip, um, the Collapsitarian Ball on Twitter. Hmm. Had yeah. him on a couple of days ago. And we're both ADHD. And I'm surprised we actually stuck on topic. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it can be a challenge and I have to like pinch myself and be like, go back to the topic because <laughs> you know, you get interested, you want to go down the, uh, want to go out d- down all these avenues, but it's like, yep. okay, we've got a limited amount of time here. Let's stick to a topic. <laughs> yeah. So, um, coming to libertarianism from the left, uh, that's always kind of a strange one. Cause, uh, a lot of the times you'll see people coming to it from the Republican party or this just hadn't thought about anything politically before and then libertarian kind of made sense to him. So mm-hmm. uh, coming from being a Bernie, uh, a Bernie supporter to becoming an anarchist and everything, that's a, that's a wild leap. So how, yeah. did, how exactly did that happen? Well, um, it definitely didn't happen overnight. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I would say over the course of the last three years, I went from a person who was just kind of like recognizing that there were a lot of problems in the leftist ideology Right. And it's I don't feel as though my ideas have changed radically. I I definitely have realized that socialism is not the best way to handle poverty. Socialism is not the best way to handle the crisis that we're having within our healthcare system. It's not the way to handle the environment. I mean, they take for their principles, everybody who's got a gripe about anything. It's like Greta, Greta Thunberg was posting during International Women's Day that climate justice requires gender equity and like, <laughs> let's just lump everything into a big pile. Right? right. Like, but my main thing happened when president Trump was elected, people lost their minds and that just mind trip has not ended for three years. So I don't know how people have kept up that level of energy, but I don't know if you remember about, I think it was in the first year of his presidency Rand Paul's neighbor attacked him rather violently and put him in the hospital. And I was, I was still like a full on SJW leftist at this point. Like I used to go to a website every day that had a counter on it that told you how long was left in Trump's presidency. Like that was my (laughs) level of Trump derangement syndrome that I was like, okay, 1098 more days. Um, So this attack happened. Rand Paul got attacked. And I thought like a normal functioning non-psychotic person, I was like, this is not right. This is not appropriate. This is not the kind of behavior that we should be encouraging. And me kind of voicing my concerns about political violence caused the people who I had been, you know, really close friends with, even though they were in online circles, I had been like really close with these people for six, seven years. They rolled on me so fast. It made my head spin. Yeah. And I would like to say that I had 
you know, all this integrity. And I, I walked away because, you know, I realized the, the truth of things. And it wasn't that it was, it was getting attacked by my group of friends, but that happened and it left me reeling. And I was kind of politically homeless for a while. I just knew that I didn't want to go along with this progressivism that was saying, um, you know, political violence is okay. It's okay to beat up your neighbor because he's a Republican. Um, also like, the denigration of free speech. I have been a person, even when I considered myself a leftist, free speech was a paramount value to me. That people who say things that we disagree with, that we revile and we find odious, they still have the freedom to say them. And I believe that it only counts as defending free speech when you're defending someone who's saying something that you really disagree with. Yeah. And the left has taken this path where now it's like if you say something that offends somebody based on some immutable characteristic, they no longer have the right to free speech. And further than that, you have a right to commit violence on them. Well, these are not yeah. the values that I grew up with. They're not the values that I have, um, even as a leftist, that I felt were good things to move forward politically. So I was like, no, I'm not going to participate in this. And that left me open. And friends of mine actually pointed me at the Tom Woods show, which is kind of, it's like something I really wouldn't have listened to while I was a Bernie supporter. I would have, I would have typed his name into Google, saw that picture of him in the same room with a Confederate flag and said, Oh, there he is standing next to that flag. That's all I need. What a jerk. But I had had that experience with kind of getting kicked around by my own group of leftists. And I said, okay, you know, maybe he's being judged unfairly too. I'm going to listen to him. And I was like, wow, you know, I don't actually disagree with a lot of the things that he's saying. And that's something that was a very valuable lesson to me, that people who appear to be the polar opposite of you probably agree with you on more things than they disagree with you on. And when we can find those places of agreement, we have a platform to stand on where we can start discussions with each other. And even if we disagree on some nuances about taxation or something like that, we, we still both value free speech. We still both value non-aggression. And yeah. that kind of turned my mind to say, hey, maybe you aren't actually a progressive. Maybe <laughs> you're more of a libertarian. Started down that path reading Rothbard, reading, I read um, Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt. Yeah. That book changed a lot for me because it was written, I'm not an economics major. I'm not even very good at basic math. So it was written in a way that a person coming from my perspective could understand. And it was written in an area previous to how we are now polarized so politically that we assume that anybody who disagrees with us is doing so out of malicious intent. Right. This guy was just laying out the facts. This is how I see it. And I would, I absorbed that information and I realized, okay, you know what? I actually like because I just, it's not as though you become a libertarian and then you're like, oh, I hate the poor now. This is the <laughs> accusation that, yeah, this yeah, is we the get, genuine. We get accusation. that all the time. Yeah. Right. We get it all the time. And um, it was the fact that I do care that people are living in poverty that made me change my ideas. I said, hey, you know what? Socialism is not actually the way to handle this problem. Yeah. In fact, it's and, uh, quite the opposite if you want to create more poor people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's almost sort of subsidizing poverty when you think about it. Yeah. So, you know, I don't have a perfect understanding of economics. I uh, I look a lot to people like Bob Murphy, Tom Woods, Jeff Deist, the um, the people at the Mises Institute. 
and I have so much admiration for them. And I try to learn as much as I can from those guys. But at the end of the day, my primary purpose, not my primary purpose, my um, primary thinking is that the individual is the minority. It's not groups based on the immutable characteristics of your skin or where you come from or anything like that. You as the individual are the greatest minority. And the best thing that we can do is recognize that the individual is the, the freedom of each individual to be different from one another is the way to solve a lot of these problems. Because even if we're Republican, even if we're Democrat, even if we're progressive or conservative, all of those people still have the idea in their head that they should take care of the sick, that they should take care of the impoverished. We just disagree about how the best way to go about that is. So if we can realize that we're not really as, we're not as antagonistically opposed as the news media or Hollywood or po the political types would have us believe. Right. They, they want us separate. They want us to hate each other, to fight with each other constantly. And the worst thing for the political elites is if we started talking to one another. Yeah. So I have sort of made it my mission to talk to people I disagree with. Yep. And now that involves a lot of progressives <laughs> <laughs> um, who are not, you know, they're not very open-minded when it comes to discussing ideas that go outside of their, uh, their comfort zone. Whereas yeah. I have found a lot more conservative people are in fact open to discussing ideas outside of their comfort. So I think that's why liberty skews right. And that you do see people coming to libertarian ideas from the right more often than you see them coming from the left. Yeah. It's, um, it's one of those things you're trying to overcome somebody's bias. And, um, I, I got into a conversation a few days ago with somebody who, who is as lefty progressive as you can get. Mm -hmm. And uh, once I started bringing up, you know, I was like, well, we don't need the government to shove a gun in everybody's face to make them help the poor. I mean, that has been done before we even had a welfare uh, assistance program. Um, yeah. And then they immediately said, well, no, because then, you know, people are just going to fall through the cracks and they're going to and they're going to die and they're, they're just going to be poor and nobody's going to help them. I was like, OK, wait, wait hold on a second. I want you to look at me and understand I am a human being too. Mm -hmm. I don't want hor I don't want horrible things to happen to poor people just because I don't like poor people or or whatever that you're thinking. Right. You know, right. I, I just don't want government involved in it at all. Because <laughs> before that, we had you know church groups would help take care of the poor. You had yeah, absolutely. You know, you had society like little membership societies that would help take care of the poor, uh, all the way down to you know maybe your rich uncle helped pay for groceries this week, that type of thing. Right. It was all done right. on a very localized level. And, you know, a government sitting in Washington, D.C. doesn't know the the poor people on my street. They don't know how to right. take care of them because they're so far right. away. <laughs> that that That's the kind of thing I'm, I'm telling you about. If we had like a local organization that could help out, that would be much preferable to a large organization that's only going to do it through the means of violence. Mm -hmm. And once mm -hmm. I said that, then they kind of, I was like, well, I still don't see your point, but I kind of understand not being violent about it. I was like, okay, great. You know, step one, <laughs> tiny baby step. Yeah. But it's a step nonetheless. It's more of a, it's more than a baby step just to get to the place where I can explain to you that I don't hate poor people just because I don't want the state to be in charge of taking care of them. Right. That's a huge step. And the left, and I'm not talking about individuals on the left, because I think that there are like a lot of good, thoughtful 
calm, willing to have a conversation types of people there. It's just that the, how to say this, the purveyors of acceptable opinion (laughs) would have you believe that they have a monopoly on care for the environment, care for the poor. And they don't realize that these things come from our culture. We all have this. We all kind of come from this like Judeo-Christian Western philosophy that invites us to take care of widows and orphans. So it's not as though because I don't agree with the method that you want to use to take care of the poor that I don't think that the poor should be taken care of. Yeah. I grew up in I grew up in Michigan. You know, a poor kid, I grew up in a trailer, you know, it wasn't like <laughs> a I grew up with a silver spoon in my mouth or anything and we had to make use of food banks and things of that nature. Right. And I think that when you become an adult, you realize, "Hey, I have to pay back to the system that helped me." That doesn't mean the system of the state. That means that I now am in a position where I can donate to food banks, to where I can donate to homeless shelters. And so because these things were offered to me, then I am honor bound to offer them back. It's not the same as if somebody comes to you with a gun and says you are required to pay this amount, which we may or may not use for the purposes of taking care of the poor. And that's a problem. You don't, their, their claim is that they're using this money to take care of people who don't have health care. But when you look at the state of state-run healthcare, there are people falling through the cracks there. Yeah. Look at VA. Look at VAs. Look at people who are elderly and in the care of the state. These people are definitely falling through the cracks. So to say that a voluntary system would have people who fall through the cracks, yes, I believe that would be the case there too. But you can't say that it's not happening with a state system. And in fact, we have the evidence before us. Yeah. We have you know, seeing how the state fails in this regard. And I think that, like you said, people know how to take care of themselves, their own neighborhoods and their own families far better than any central planner who lives in a mansion a thousand miles away from me will know how to take care of my community. People in Washington, D.C., they don't know about rural Georgia. That's not, you know, a community that, if anything, they seem to revile yeah. People who live in communities like mine. So how is it that they're going to take care of people that they seem to have a uh, mistrust and hate for because they don't think the right ways? Yeah. How do we know that money wouldn't be funneled to people who had correct thinking? And these are the kinds of things you have to be aware of with the state. So it's not it's not at all um, unreasonable to point out that people would fall through the cracks. But I would point out that they're already falling through the cracks now. Yeah. Um, and to, to take it to its ex- most extreme example, um, oh, let's do that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so when you pay your taxes and you go and buy a good or a service from a corporation whose corporate taxes go directly to feed the military industrial complex, mm-hmm. uh, they are taking care of poor people in other countries in a much different way than you would expect by mm-hmm. bombing them, uh, mm-hmm. helping the Yemenis, uh, starve uh you know helping the saudi arabians starve the yemeni people and bombing their uh water um treatment plants so you know people are dying of cholera what great humanitarianism yes exactly and even your your own income taxes they go to pay the national debt they don't pay for anything in government Mm -hmm. you know your state sales tax uh pays a lot of stuff the uh uh 
gasoline tax will pay for your roads, that the property taxes that you're paying your state government and your local government pay for the schools. The income tax goes directly to the federal government to service the national debt. It doesn't pay for anything in government. Right. So, right. Absolutely. But and people then you don't want to learn this type of stuff because the moment you start telling them where the money goes and what's, what this is doing, what's that doing, their eyes glaze over because now they're receiving an economics lesson. Yeah. Yeah. And economics, I, yeah. I've heard it referred to as the dismal science. Yes. And boy, is that ever an accurate description? Like, you know, I do my best. I actually try to learn about economics and I can only give it so much of my mental effort per day right? because it's, it's dry material. Yeah. You know, it's very dry. It's very, it's, it's really hard to make it catchy and entertaining uh, at the same time where you're trying to learn it. Uh, it took me about three weeks to get through human action. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you just can't, you can't jazz it up any more than that. You're just going to have to sit there and read it and try to go back and read some sections you didn't understand before. So it's a slog. You should see yeah. the face I make at people when they suggest to random interneters that they should read Man, Economy, and State. Oh, and I'm no, like, have, no, 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 no. Have Don't you do read that, that book? No. <laughs> uh, what is it? Like 930 pages? Yeah. And oh, man, does he go into excruciating detail, which, believe me, I think is necessary. But it makes you really appreciate people like Bob Murphy, who are very educated in economics and able to make it amusing and easy to listen to. And And that's why. Yeah, Bob Murphy wrote the book Choice, which was kind of like the layman's version of human action, which I wish I would have read that first. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, actually, um, the great Gene Epstein commented on my Twitter one time, and I was very overwhelmed with uh, celebrity at that moment. But he <laughs> suggested to me that I read Choice before I attempted to read Man, Economy, and State, because yeah. I was kind of complaining that, like, this book is a little much for me. I'm I'm not an economist, you know? Like, what 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 can I do to make this more <laughs> understandable for myself? And he's like, yeah, go go get Choice and try that first. Yeah, so that's, even, that's like even the, uh, the dipping knows. the toe in the in the cold swimming pool. You know, you're not just diving in. Right. You got to right. at least warm up to it a little bit. <laughs> and that's something I was talking about earlier is how I think that anarchists and libertarian anarchists do have um, an uphill task when it comes to getting our ideas out to the public because they are esoteric. They're not mainstream ideas. And as one person on Twitter commented, and I thought it was so accurate is that we have our own language. Yes. And it's really hard to have people understand the imagery that we're trying to convey when the language doesn't match up. Yeah. And so when you approach people who use language in the most pedestrian, normal way, like if you say anarchist to a, a regular pedestrian, normie person, they're going to think of like black masks and Molotov cocktails. Yeah. And it's not on me to be defensive or aggressive with them because they have that understanding. That's the normal understanding of the word. I have to be the person who says, hey, maybe I can point you in another direction. Maybe I can suggest something. But it's really foolish on my end to come aggressively or defensively at somebody who has a basic understanding. Because three years ago, I would have thought the same thing. And if somebody had approached me with that attitude of, oh, look at the bootlicker, I wouldn't have been open to listening to these ideas. And I think we have to be careful about it. Yeah. Jeffrey Tucker wrote a uh, great piece uh, called uh, Libertarian Brutalism, um, where libertarians will go out and, you know, beat people over the head with the stuff. 
And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've often said you're going to have to engage in hours and hours and hours of circle talk. Uh, basically, yep. you're going to start with one thing, you'll move around, and you'll have to come back to the same premise that you started on, making a big mm-hmm. circle so people can kind of get it as they're going along. Um, but once, and I found that once they do get it, you know, then they'll go out and they'll pick up main economy and state because now they have a little bit of a foundation, a base, and they kind of understand what Rothbard will talk about in that book. Right. Um, or then they'll pick up, you know, Henry Hazlitt's economics in one lesson. Um, Mm -hmm. so they kind of figure it out. And like I said, I, I'm not an economist either, but I really know that uh, centrally planned economies always fail because history has taught us that. (laughs) Right, right. And everything that we see nowadays is all centrally planned economies. So, yeah, but there's uh, only one direction for that to go. Yeah, exactly. And I had to explain that to my, um, I, I posted a meme of a girl asleep and she had a nose ring and somebody was holding up a nine volt battery underneath her nose, but, you know, indicating <laughs> that she was about to get a, a shock. And, and so I wrote yeah. like socialism across her forehead and then the nine volt battery had the economic calculation problem underneath it. Mm-hmm. And my lefty progressive aunt was like, "What? what's that? And I was like, well, central, central planners of an economy can't account for every variable in the economy. So it's called the economic calculation problem. And socialism is nothing but centrally planned. <laughs> so, and I'm sure her eyes glazed right <laughs> over. So, so she gets like, and then after that, she sent me like a private text message. She goes, well, what does that mean? I was like, so at some point, they're not going to account for several variables in an economy and it's going to collapse on itself. Uh, see Venezuela. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's the most recent example. But and I always get into this. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, it's a, it's constantly like that. I'll have to hit that topic again, I know, in, in some point in the future with her. So, Yeah, you will, because there are... <laughs> popular understandings of yeah. socialism that sort of leave out the historical perspective. Yeah. And I, I don't know how we've gotten to this state where we've forgotten the Ukrainians, where we've forgotten the Kulaks, where we're yeah. watching Venezuela collapse right before our very eyes. And someone will look at you dead in the face and say, well, that's not the real socialism. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I- I had uh, gotten so fed up with that phrase that uh, I had to make a t-shirt on Teespring. And it's like, uh, socialism has failed every single time it has been tried, including real socialism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I love, because the very it's like a script, because the very next thing will be, well, I'm talking about socialism like they have in Scandinavia. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, do you realize that, the? I think it was Sweden, maybe it was Sweden, the prime minister had come out and said, stop calling us socialist we are a market economy and so i have that kind of like quote ready like ready in the holster it's like oh you you, so you want a market economy that has the exact same economic freedom indices as the united states got it yeah and they don't really have a comeback for that so just you know for the future if any of you are arguing with socialists and they bring up sweden just let them i think it was either sweden or norway you'll have to check it out but the prime minister of that country was like yo quit saying this. It's not true. <laughs> yeah. What's really funny about the the whole Scandinavian thing is uh, their economy was, was booming and everything. And then they started doing socialism and their economies almost tanked. And so now in recent years, they've had to start bringing back in more free market ideas mm-hmm. to try and get mm-hmm. their Absolutely. economies coming back up. So, it, And it's like things like welfare in, in countries like that, it's incredibly hard to get 
on welfare in right. in that system. It's their um, requirements are so much higher than we have in the United States. Very strict. If, yeah. If we had those requirements, people would rage, you know, absolutely rage and say, oh, this is draconian. This is unfair. It's like, well, this is this is like they have in Sweden. I thought that's what you wanted. <laughs> yeah. And if you thought that uh, social justice warriors taking to the streets in little pink kitty hats screaming at the heavens, no, and Donald Trump yeah. got elected. Imagine what would happen if there was a whole bunch of stipulations put on welfare programs. I know it. I know it. <laughs> I, I think about that woman a lot. Because I think that there was genuine like pain and anguish in her yeah. action. And it's so funny because it's become this like meme that represents the leftist outrage. Right. And it's perfect. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, I'm just like, I wonder how she's doing now. Because the economy has improved. Things have gotten quite a bit better just for like the everyday person. A lot more people are at work right. now. And I, you know, I would be, I think it would, she would be hard pressed to say that her life has gotten worse since Donald Trump has been elected. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a Trump supporter. Yeah. I neither just, am I. <laughs> I like, I like that he's rolled in there like a bull in a China shop because we needed that. Yeah. I do like that. He takes it to the media and we'll call him out on their bullshit. And I, I do enjoy yeah. that. I, you you got to love it when the mainstream media is getting dunked on. Um, yeah. But, but at the same time, uh, I'll hit these leftists on social media and everything. And, you know, I'll leave like my little retweet with comment or I'll comment under their stuff. And then I'll get Mm -hmm. a whole slew of MAGA this, uh, keep America great that, um, people who claim to be two a supporters. But the moment I say, yeah, that convicted felon who just got out of jail should have his guns like returned to him immediately. And then (laughs) it's, it gets really funny. Because then I'll start posting about this stuff about Donald Trump. And then all of a sudden, I'll notice that those uh, people who followed me for that just uh, now gone away. <laughs> yeah, I I get really amused when, um, Mag- I guess I'll call them MAGAs, yeah. when the MAGAs follow me. Because I, I was, you know, I gave a zinger to a leftist and they came yeah. in and said, oh, I'm going to follow you. you. You're getting those leftists. Yeah. And then I'll turn around and, and get them too. And they're like, oh, I'm unfollowing you. I didn't expect this. And, you know, it's like, hey, everything is not team sports. And some people aren't yeah. just because they're not on your team or just because they're not on the other team doesn't mean they're on your team. Yeah. Sorry. And, sorry oh, to let you guys know. I don't believe uh, Trump is God emperor. So no, no. And I, I think Michael Malice has the perfect way to absorb Trump and to appreciate him because he is that. You know, um, that one CNN uh, correspondent had said that he was like throwing a stick of dynamite into Washington and it is a destructive explosion, but you kind of have to like enjoy the beauty of it (laughs) because he has exposed a lot of things. You know, before Trump, I wouldn't have agreed with the statement that the press is the enemy of the people. I didn't realize it. I didn't realize the degree to which they both lie and are simply stupid. Because yeah. it's both it's both things. They're they're both remarkably stupid and they lie. Yeah. And this is how people how information is disseminated to most people. Yeah. And that that goes double for your uncles and aunts that keep Fox News on twenty four hours a day in their house. Yeah. So much so that the Fox News logo is burned into the corner of the screen. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, that goes double yeah. for them because Fox News is the biggest bunch of liars and dumb idiots that I have ever seen. It is ridiculous. Yeah, it's it, we we have it's been called infotainment before. Oh, we have this yeah, 24 hour news yeah. cycle and they have to like keep people engaged in it. 
And yeah, that was another thing that really turned me away from the left was when the riot in Charlottesville was happening. CNN made that into a full Newsday event where I was locked into my television for 12 hours in absolute terror, thinking that, oh, my God, white supremacy and white identitarianism is like taking over the country. Oh, yeah. Well, it turned out that every white supremacist that exists in the whole of America was there, like all of them. And then the next one, there was like 300 people, maybe, (laughs) you know, it's like. These people do not have clout. They do not have power in our society. No. They were surrounded by crowd uh, in this in the second event, the one that happened directly after Charlottesville. Those 300 people were surrounded by a crowd of thousands chanting, "Get out of here. We don't want you. Get out of here." Right. So, but during that 12-hour period where I was glued, my eyeballs were glued to CNN, they were able to run how many ads for different pharmaceuticals, different, whatever, you know, they were being paid to advertise. And I realized I was like, wow, they're really effective at using this to advertise at me. And this has very little to do with actually informing me of what's going on. It's just what narrative can we create that's going to keep you locked into this news cycle? (laughs) Well, you know, they have to scare all those old people so that they go lose all their money in a reverse uh, home mortgage. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it, it really is terrible. And it's, it's both sides, you know, it's oh, yeah. uh, the aged hippie Democrats are are doing it. And then you have like, um, you know, the, the boomer, uh, I know that <laughs> that phrase is so loaded now, but like the, the boomer MAGA MAGA people, they're, they're all the same group to me, to be honest. <clears throat> Bill Mitchell. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> cough, cough, cough. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I had something stuck in my throat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, politics. Yeah. So, So, you know, um, I'm, I'm really glad that I was able to come through my Trump derangement syndrome and that I'm no longer checking daily to see how many minutes and hours and days are left in Trump's presidency. Cause it really looks to me like he's about to re up for another four years. Yes. Because they helped him. They helped him. They really (laughs) did their behavior. Yeah. I can't believe that I'm the only person that saw this and walked away. I know that I'm not. They have a whole movement called Walk Away. Yeah. Um it's a but whole those people walk, Right, right. Those people they walked away from the left and then they became the right. So they didn't like they're still part of that team sports politics. Yeah. You know, I I kind of put put the politics down and I said okay, I'm not this whole this whole game is messed up. Yeah. Both teams on this game are messed up. So I think when a lot of people hear me say that I've walked away from the left, they assume that I turned in my leftist card, walked outside, and then there was a Republican waiting with a big net to like catch me. Yes, <laughs> and uh, now I'm a Trump supporter, but that's not that's not how it went. Yes, down. Uh, an instant Republican, and you were given a uh, a clan ho- uh, clan hood, and yes. you know, and a Bible because you know, yeah. if anything, <laughs> it's and, you just know, really I'm cartoonish a, how they think sometimes. It is cartoonish, and it makes all these presuppositions about a person based on very, very little information. It's like, do you not believe that human beings are more subtle or more nuanced in their thinking than this? Of course you don't because you're not. Right. Yeah. They all want to be the, uh, the lady in um, game of Thrones, you know, ringing the bell. Shame, shame. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you know, when that happens to someone, when they either side, because they both do this, when they try to cancel somebody for wrong think, that makes me very interested in what that person has to say. Yeah. So if someone's getting canceled, they can almost guarantee a follow from me because <laughs> I want to know about you, you know? 
All right. Well, hold on just a second. We'll be right back. All right. Now that we've paid some of the bills around here, now back to the interview. I was never interested in Alex Jones until they canceled him. And now I can't get enough of that dude. Oh, it man. is a great loss to our society that Alex Jones is no longer on Twitter and on YouTube. Yeah. Did, did you hear my last episode where I talked about Alex Jones and, uh, and Bill Cooper? No, I didn't know. Oh, yeah. Um, I, conspiratainers. Um, yeah. Both of them. Yeah. They, it's a great name for it. May or may not actually believe what they're talking about, but you know, they got people's attention and that's really all they were looking for. Now, Bill Cooper's long dead because the guy was an asshole, but uh, Alex Jones, you know, he is entertaining. You, you, you will have to admit when he starts ranting and raving and tearing at his shirt and everything, it's like, oh, this is just WWE. That's that's all this yeah. is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Every time he's on somebody's show, even if I don't watch that show regularly, yeah. I tune in because Alex is going to say something like awesome and entertaining. Yeah, it doesn't mean you believe it or you're going along with his thinking. And yeah, there are crazy people out there who are going to go along with crazy things but those people would have found something crazy to go along with regardless of whether alex jones exists or not yeah exactly and pushing people like that underground it doesn't mean that they stop having those conversations it just means that you're no longer able to participate in them so you can't come along and say oh this is stupid and here's why and here's a link that proves that this is ridiculous we can't do that anymore because we no longer have access to that group of people because they've been canceled well, unless you want to pay a $10 a month subscription to prisonplanet.tv. And yeah, I'm not going to. Yeah, no <laughs> one's going to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it, but the only thing that can combat bad ideas are just good ideas. And um, absolutely. Yeah. More, it, the only the only cure for bad speech is more speech. Absolutely. Exactly. You're here. So crazy, though. So crazy. And uh, <laughs> the the lefties out there really need to understand. It's like, look, we're, we're not space aliens from the planet Pop-Tart to quote Alex Jones. Um <laughs> Well, speak for yourself. <laughs> you know, we are human beings. Uh, yes. We just don't want government involved in violently taking our money from us to go pay for somebody else. If it, Good mm-hmm. ideas do not require force. My husband always puts it in a great way. And he says, you know, it's great that you want to feed the poor. But do you think that you're allowed to go into your neighbor's house and take his things and sell them so that you can give money to the homeless shelter? Right. And most people would be like, well, no, absolutely not. Okay, well, why do you give the state permission to do it then? Yeah. If you don't have the willingness to commit this aggression yourself, you're passing it off to the state who will then use police to enact your violence for you. Because anytime a law is passed, it's basically a political idea that the elites or the political types have given law enforcement the permission to use aggression in order to enforce. For example, the smoking ban for 21 and ups. Don't tell me that there is now not an 18-year-old who is going to face violence at the hands of police for possessing a cigarette because a political elite believed that people under 21 shouldn't have access to cigarettes. While that may or may not be the truth, you know, I... I don't have a dog in that fight. I smoked when I was 18. <laughs> it still means that someone who was previous to that law, an innocent human being living their life, is now a criminal and can be violently handled by police. And sometimes that violence turns into death. Yes. A person can be killed because a politician had a, a thought. Yep. And that's the problem with the state. Yeah. Eric Garner in uh, New York. Prime example. Yes. Cigarette tax, want to get around it, and ended up getting choked to death. 
So it's like, is it is it worth his life? Is the upholding of a political idea worth the life of a man? And I don't think that it is. Yeah. And statists, they have this complete misunderstanding of how laws work. They think that mm-hmm. if a law gets passed, then people will just follow it. And mm-hmm. that, that might be true for, you know, maybe 90% of the people, but there's still 10% of those that aren't going to go along with what you're going along with. Mm-hmm. And it, it, just, it was like, well, no, it, there's a law. They can't do it anymore. I was like, okay, <laughs> well, uh, ink on a like piece of paper Like if that's some kind is, of magic. Yeah, like ink on a piece of paper isn't going to physically restrain somebody from not smoking a cigarette when they're 19 years old. Absolutely. Oh, God, have you ever <laughs> tried to tell a 19-year-old anything? Yeah, exactly. I mean, remember back, you didn't sprout up out of the ground 30s in, in your 30s. You know, you were right. you were a kid once, too. Right. And right. some of us were smoking at the age of 15 when it definitely wasn't legal. And it's like <laughs> you well, you shouldn't break the laws. OK, well, they've now yeah. written so many laws. And this was something they would do in old Rome when they would have a law. They would uh, nail it so high up on the wall that no one could read it. Yeah. So how would any person know that this was even a law? Right. didn't stop them necessarily from coming and throwing you in jail for it. Right. So I see. Cause as the, ahead. as the old judge once said, your ignorance of the law is no defense of it. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so like, it isn't, it, it, it doesn't matter that we've posted it 40, you know, 40 meters high and, and you probably can't read anyway. Um, it's still the law. You yeah. Know, and or I, written in a strange language course. that Jeez. you have to pay someone to read it for you. <laughs> and even they have a different out, outcome from it than most people. <laughs> and if you look at le- legal ease or legal lingo now, yeah. it is written yeah. in this esoteric language that no regular person understands. And I find that very comparable to hanging laws written in opposite languages on the wall and saying, this is your law. You must follow it. Well, I don't know what this law means, but it, what is, you know, oh, well, you know, if you don't do it, the police can can come and knock you down and throw you in a cage for it. Yeah. And even if you got yeah. all the lawmakers that voted for it together in a room, they would even have different uh, readings of that same law. So, yeah, yeah. I was having this discussion the other day about um, if the rule of law was this like concrete thing, then why are politicians why are politicians trying so hard to get judges that are sympathetic to their thinking on the bench? Yeah, and that's because the rule of law, as it's called, is read differently by every single individual. Yeah, so. There's not this concrete, um, not, you know, like foundation called the rule of law upon which our civilization is built. And the people who support the state or are part of the state would really like you to believe that without this concrete foundation, things would collapse into chaos. Yeah. Well, this isn't keeping us from chaos. This is no. not anything except for a set of opinions that you've given police permission to throw people in a cage for disagreeing with. Yeah. And if anything, it just creates more chaos. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Imagine that when politicians get involved, things get worse. <laughs> no, 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 of course not. It, this is order. This is what if this is what order means, then then are we really that afraid of chaos? Like, OK. All right. Now we're really getting into the Alex Jones stuff. Order yeah. of chaos, right? <laughs> order out of chaos. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, I think that there is a cyclical nature to human civilization that we do build ourselves up and become quite strong and, and quite dependent on the edifices of civilization. And when things happen, we're less able to deal with them because we're no longer individually, individually reliant. Yeah. So we fall and it's cyclical. So we are coming, we have come out of a peak and I think there's only one way to go from a peak 
Oh, yeah. And there is no amount of government or laws or any other thing that can stop the natural flooding of the river. And yeah. humans falling, human civilizations falling down is as natural as the river flood. Yep. It's a, uh, a cycle, a business cycle, if you will. Um, <laughs> yeah. Boom and bust, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but uh, I, think- I think about Rome on a daily basis because there are so many comparisons between the state of things now and the late Roman Empire. It's, it's uncanny. Yeah. The, the fact that it became a empire might have led to its downfall. That and you had the, uh, the the daily allotment of bread to the citizens, and mm-hmm. you know the money and political influence, and it's oh my gosh, it, it gets really really scary when you think about it, and yeah. especially what what came after the fall of Rome was yeah. a period of darkness and chaos. We refer to them as the Dark Ages, right? And it's uh, and we've had several of those going mm-hmm. going around. So I mean, at, at one point, European society was the height of having a king and having his little vassal lords and everything. And then we had a little thing called the Black Death come along and wipe some of those people out. And so then <laughs> we had a rebuilding, which became the Renaissance. So, Yeah, it's fascinating that something that was so destructive, like it killed 70% of the population in Avignon, France, for example. I mean, that's, right. that's three-fourths of the people you know are yeah. dead. Yeah, And I can't imagine... Uh, a more terrifying kind of thing to go through. But in the wake of that, all this establishment had been upended and people who didn't have opportunities before were Mm -hmm. suddenly in high demand. And it actually changed a lot of things. And that's something that people sort of don't realize about the Renaissance is that it was, it was brought on by the black death without that destruction, without that clearing away of the old, you wouldn't have opportunity for new growth. That's why forests burn down periodically. Yep. And some seeds don't even sprout until they're exposed to fire. Nature is brutal and humans are part of nature. As much as we like to pretend we're separate because we have civilizations and science and rocket yep. ships and symphonies, we're still um, not the victims of nature. We're still uh, part of the evolution and development of it. Yeah, exactly. I may, I may insert the, uh, the Jeff Goldblum life uh, 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 finds a way. <laughs> I've been saying about the coronavirus thing, like, yeah. I don't think no matter how many billions of dollars they appropriate, it's like life uh, finds a way. <laughs> yeah, life doesn't obey the CDC. Like, they yeah. can't do anything about it. If it's going to be, it's going to be. If it's not, it's not. Yeah. And, and I love the government response to it. Well, let's just throw billions of dollars at it. That'll make the problem go away, right? And it turns, it goes so quickly. And yeah. this happened with the wall too. It starts with, oh, we need a billion dollars. Well, we need $4 billion. Yeah. Well, we need $44 billion. We need $400 billion. Yeah. You're like, all right, Dr. Evil, roll it back. <laughs> I don't know what you can do with $44 billion or what you can, that you can't do with $1 billion. Yeah, oh, exactly. Lord, that's my dog. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. I got dogs here. They're actually behaving this time. So My dog hates my neighbor. And that's right. probably my fault because I kind of hate my neighbor. <laughs> Let me go shut that door real quick. Sure. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. My um, One of my episodes with Rollo, my little uh, poodle, decided she was just going to bark at nothing like halfway through. <laughs> well, you don't know. They could be seeing things that we don't see. Well, she's blind and deaf. so. <laughs> oh. <laughs> she's just old and angry. Yeah, just old, crotchety, little 15-year-old, little miniature poodle. Yeah. <laughs> But she's got like one of those piercing shriek barks. So 
Oh, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. And then uh, my other dog is a uh, blackmouth cur, and she's like 45 pounds of muscle. And so the, the cur dogs, their growl is very, very deep. So she sounds like she's 100 pounds, which is fun. I like that because it lets it lets people know not to come through the fence. Oh, yeah. That, it's, it's hysterical when I get deliveries. And they hear the dog from behind the uh, the door going. Rrr. I was like, "Man, what you got in there?" I was like, "It's a cur. Don't worry about it. It's none of your business." Is what it is. I was like, "Oh man, she sounds terrifying." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she can be. She has the potential to be." <laughs> well, I have a um a forty pound pit bull, and in oh, it, it, they're so fun. Yeah, I love them too. They're they're the most gentle, sweet dogs too. I hate their I hate that they've gotten such a reputation, but. In um, 2017, a a group of people, about three people, tried to break into my house. Oh, to go and, get it. Well, not to go get it. They were just trying to get into my house. <laughs> and even though I own a firearm, I was terrified and I didn't even think to go get it. Um, but my dog was what ended up scaring them off. Yeah. So Nobody yeah, wants to get was, mauled by a pit bull. <laughs> she was better than any security system or... Right firearm or whatever. And I actually called my husband before I called the cops. And when the cop got there an hour later, by the way, yes, he was like, well, why didn't you call the cops first? And I was like, I knew my husband would get here faster. Like, <laughs> you know? It's like the national average is 11 minutes and you guys were horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It wasn't good. Like I had a really big attitude problem by the time he got there and I'm like, Oh, look who decided to show up. Oh, finally. Yeah. Actual and, crime know, gets committed and you guys are nowhere to be found. I'm I'm a tiny little woman and I was like, you know, I, I'm sure he could feel like the hate radiating off of me. I was like, why are you even here? Why did you even bother to come? And yeah, he, he was not um, he was not defensive because I think he knew that I was right. Yeah. That's like yeah. if I had to fill out a, a statement, I can call you on the phone and do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I probably, uh, I think that I wrote while I was writing my statement, I wrote something to the effect of, and then this useless police officer showed up a full hour later. <laughs> and here comes old Barney Fife rolling out of his squad car. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I've, good. Yeah. I've, I, I really dislike police officers of all different kinds. And yes, that includes your uncle. Who's a police officer who you think is just the nicest guy. He too. Yeah. Yeah. I hate when you're trying to bring oh. up the fact that we do have a lot of problems in our police system and someone comes along and says, well, my brother's a cop. And it's like, well, screw your brother, too. <laughs> like, what is that supposed to mean to me? I don't care about the fact that he's your brother. What what part of ACAB don't you understand? All cops are bastards. <laughs> For real. <laughs> you know, and so funny. I'm an adult person. I understand that there are good people in that organization. I don't think that, you know... I think it's the nature of what they're doing. Right. It's, it, it, it you know, you, you did sign up to do that, you right. know? So yeah, I don't let them on that responsibility. Either. Yeah. I don't, let right. them off. I, I just enforce the laws. I was like, you get how that's much, much worse, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can't say no. <laughs> and I am grateful for the ones who, the few and far between that they are, who have stood up to their colleagues and you see the treatment that they've gotten for, you know, crossing the thin blue line. That's yeah. all the proof you need is when a cop tries to do the right thing. What happens to that person? Yeah. And that's all you, that's all you need, you know? Yeah. I've got several friends whose uh, fathers were police officers and, um, 
you know, when they go against the grain, uh, they get told in no uncertain terms. I was like, all right, well, the next time you call for backup, maybe we're five minutes late. Yeah, that's, you know, and that's the sentiment that I've gotten when trying to discuss these issues, because I am not outwardly aggressive toward police officers, but I will talk about the fact that we have a major problem with policing. Yeah. And almost always the response is, well, you know, what are you going to do when they don't show up next time? Yeah. Well, I had that situation already. They didn't show up. They weren't there. So what are you trying to argue here that what already happened would happen? I'm aware. Yeah. I am now much more familiar with my nine millimeter. Yes. Please do. Yeah. I said, if anybody needs to to be better trained than anybody else, it needs to be the moms and the women out there because. Amen, brother. Yeah. I, I mean, they're around our children all day long. They, you know, usually are uh, not as big and strong as males. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's not to say that there aren't those outliers out there like the uh, the MMA fighter that you were talking to who could probably handle, handle herself in a fight. Yeah. But even and she, I, I'd like to be more like that woman. But yeah, she's a woman. And yes. compared to a man who's an MMA fighter, yeah. a firearm would be a leveler in yes. that situation. Yeah. The the old phrase of guy created man equally, but the uh, same cult made him truly equal. You know, <laughs> oh, I like that a great deal. <laughs> yeah. There, there, there is a reason why we have guns and it's because, uh, you know, we don't have fangs. We don't have stingers. We don't have uh, talons. Uh, Mm -hmm. to defend ourselves. We have brains. Yes, we have brains. And we learned how to throw a rock at a very long distance to kill something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it just evolved from there. So, You know, and I always, I make the comment that I will avail myself of my Second Amendment rights because I think it's important to, like, not that the government has granted us with these rights, the the right to self-defense is is immutable as a human being. That just just came the moment you were born. Yes, Absolutely. (laughs) And so the idea that I, as a woman who's no taller than five feet, shouldn't be able to protect myself on an equal footing to the person who is more likely to aggress on me, which is a larger man, yes, is telling me that I don't have the basic human right to life. So right. it does, you know, I do take that as aggression. And even, um, even though I was at some point very leftist and socialist in my thinking, I was never a person who didn't believe in the right to self-defense. I grew up in Georgia. So, well, part, partially in Michigan, partially in Georgia, <laughs> both of which are states that really value the right to self-defense. Yes. And I was nine years old when my dad put a gun in my hand for the first time. And I can't, you know, I can't ever repay the, the care that you have to have to put, you know, put that into your own child's hand and say, okay, this is what you have to do. Yeah, because we are in this society that says, well, you know, don't, you know, don't be physical with each other, which is a a good value to teach. But then we never learn how to defend ourselves. Yeah. And we've um, neutered ourselves as far as self-defense goes that even the men in our society won't, you know, won't do what they need to do to protect our women. So the women have to do it for themselves. Yeah. Nothing more evident than watching. um you know, the little security camera footage of uh, a gang of teenagers walking up to an old woman to punch her in the face. And then all of the guys oh. standing around and watching it happen. That breaks my damn heart because I yeah. think, you know, not to romanticize the past, but I think if you had tried that kind of thing in the 1950s, you would have been laid out flat before you even got anywhere near that woman. Oh, yeah. You don't even have to and, go back that far. I mean, the 1970s and 80s, you know, yeah, was, you know it was pretty rough and tumble. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I just, I don't think that we've, uh, I don't think that we as women have done ourselves any favors by making this claim that we are absolutely equal to men in every respect, including physically, because that's just not the truth. Women are weaker physically than men. And so as a result, we're going to need methods to protect ourselves. And one of those methods is, you know, being able to, like you said, to fire a projectile at a high rate of speed. <laughs> yep. And uh, I, just as a advocate for personal safety and uh, defense, uh, once you get your shiny new little gun, uh, definitely spend some money to learn how to use it. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. the spending the money on how to use it is probably far more valuable than the gun itself. There are all kinds of organizations. One we have around here is the Georgia Gun Club, yep. and they actually have classes who are for women specifically, yep. because I think that the self-defense needs of women are a little different than the self-defense needs of men. Right. Also, we're not going to be as familiar with firearms. We're not going to be as familiar with physical aggression. It might not be something that you know we recognize immediately that somebody is about to be aggressive with us. You hear a lot of women who are like um, kidnapped and other things, and they're tr- they they're involved in a situation with somebody who is about to hurt them and they don't realize it. And they're just trying to be polite. They're just trying to be nice. They're trying to be um, uh, non-confrontational and it ends up hurting them because this person is out to hurt you and they don't recognize the signs of it. They don't recognize that there are people in our society who mean to do you harm. Yes. And if you're not prepared for that, you know, you, you can leave yourself in a position to be a victim. It's not, I'm not blaming the victims. I'm saying that we need to do better by the people in our society who can be targets, such as children, such as women. And, you know, men are targets too. I don't want to leave men out of this. Oh, no. Because anybody who's uh, walking down the street and they've got their face in a glowing rectangle, yeah, get get ready. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, that even goes for me, who's six foot one and 250 pounds. And Mm -hmm. I look, you know, pretty confident when I'm walking around. I usually don't get messed with. But the moment I drop my guard and start looking down at the fondle slab for more than a minute, you know, there's going to be folks around. I was like, I wonder if, what he's got on him, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Situational awareness is an invaluable skill. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a reason why a mountain lion will attack a deer from behind where it can't see, you know? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. Be aware. Keep your head on a swivel, all that stuff. Yes. So. And you know, just, <laughs> And, and I hate, I hate the idea that you can never relax when you're out in public, but you really shouldn't. No. I mean, no. I'm not saying walk around in constant terror because that's no way to live your life, <laughs> but just be aware that there are, you know, things out there that can do you harm. And this like, oh, we're, we're a more advanced society than that. We, you know, we want to get guns out of our society because these weapons don't belong in our society. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, tell it to you. They're already there. <laughs> And just because you put down some ink scribbling on a piece of paper is not going to keep people from getting them either. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. And oh man, I could, I, I could, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but I think that all of these things are really connected. And you know, in terms of like our schooling and sort of the neutering of our society, and oh yeah, how less self reliant we are is because we we can't protect ourselves anymore because we've been taught not to. And so we need to rely on other people to protect us, such as police, such as the military. And, oh, I just want to feel safe because I can't make myself feel safe. Well, if yeah. you had the ability to protect your family, you had the ability to protect yourself, you might feel less inclined to rely on other people to do that for you. And I think that all is like work, not to be a conspiracy theorist, but I think all of that kind of works together yeah. um, to create some of the attitudes that we have right now towards self-defense. 
Oh yeah. And I, I've often said, cause the, uh, the Godwin's law will always rear its ugly head every time. And, uh, that is, well, eventually if you talk long enough with somebody, Hitler is going to get brought up. Uh, well, I remember seeing a movie where only the police and only the military had guns. And the name of that movie was Schindler's List. Ah, uh, yeah. See, so, there we go. Yeah. I had a friend in high school who had a Adolf Hitler quote on his car. And now it did not, it was not attributed to Adolf Hitler, but it was this quote um, about, I wish I could remember it exactly, but it was about gun control. Yeah. It was about basically how we had to uh, rely on the police, the military to take care of us and not have weapons of war in the hands of citizens. It was essentially that. And I saw that and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And he goes, you know who said that? I was like, (laughs) no, Adolf Hitler. I was like, oh. (laughs) Very interesting. So in Georgia, you know, our our culture, even when you're like a leftist or a socialist, you still, most of us still really highly value the right to own guns. Yeah. So I I appreciate where I come from in that regard is that's never been, that's always been part of my value structure is that you have to have the right to defend yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And and I hate to say it in the, in Southern culture, because over here in Louisiana, guns uh, get used as a status symbol. So sure. Yeah, yeah. Even if you are the most lefty progressive Democrat down at the state house, uh, you've got a Peretti shotgun that your <laughs> that your uh, fellow colleague from across the aisle does not have. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know if you saw that Vader O'Rourke tweet where oh, he. Yeah, I commented underneath it. <laughs> yeah. I was He's like, like, this like, is uh, why we got to get these weapons of war off the. Oh, I was like, oh, oh, no. Yeah, he says, this guy makes the argument far better than I ever could. And I was like, you couldn't make the argument. Yeah. That's why you're gone. Hence the reason why this tweet got ratioed out the ass. Yeah. <laughs> and then, Like everything that man says. Yeah. And then uh, my little comment underneath it had, uh, I think when I checked it the other day, it was like 250 likes and like eight comments. And uh, most of the comments were, yes, well said, well said. And then a couple of them mm-hmm. were like, Oh, uh, so you just uh, think that uh, rich people should be the only ones that have guns? Like, no, 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 no. I want poor people just as armed. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, I grew up in the trailer park, and the yeah. first time I held a gun, I was nine years old. Yeah. So that's definitely not the case. Yeah, high points are like 150 bucks, and they go bang most of the time. So yeah, <laughs> just you know, point it, point it in the right direction. Yes, good to go. It's the original point and click interface. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> I'm full of them. Uh, well, full of it anyways. And, uh, but uh, <laughs> anyways. And that's the thing is like, I don't think that they realize they're trying so hard to court the progressives that yeah. they don't realize that Democrats feel strongly about the Second Amendment. Right. People who are Democrats feel that way. And they're they're trying so hard to cultivate this wokeism and this progressive kind of thing that they're actually shooting themselves in the foot with most of their own voter base. Yes. Not to mention, it's not like they're going to be able to pull a moderate or... Uh, anybody who doesn't necessarily subscribe to leftist thinking automatically as a Democrat, they have no chance with any of those people, let alone half of their own base that's going to walk away from them when you say, hell yeah, I'm going to take your AR-15. Okay, well, I'm not voting for you then. And that's a Democrat. Yeah, exactly. Uh, You want the proletariat to to be armed to to get away from their bourgeoisie uh, masters, right? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's (laughs) supposed to be the the values of America, the like the idealistic values of the United States come from that sort of Scotch Irish belief of you can't tell me what to do. You know, um, who was I reading recently that said like freedom has its roots in the dark forests of Germany? 
as they battled against the Roman Empire, you know, yeah. we come from that tradition. Yeah. And Rome has kind of infiltrated into our government and that I- ideology of like empire has I- infiltrated into our government. But yeah. there's also the half of us, the other, the rest of us who come from that. You don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to live my life. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a quarter Scott. And the only reason why we're here is because uh, we divide, d- decided to invade England over a weekend and we all got rounded up. And instead of killing us, they just said, oh, we'll just, you know, ship them over to, <laughs> to yeah. the, to the new world. And we'll just have them like try to scratch out a living in the hills. And then the yeah. the other part is a quarter Sicilian, which is constantly being stepped on by Italy. Uh, I've oh, often yeah. joked that uh, Sicily is the lump of crap that the boot is kicking. So <laughs> that's yeah. There's some accuracy to that, I think. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, well, the other half is German, but we, you know, whatever. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, even the Germans. I mean, you look at the Germanic tribes, and, and we're talking, you know, pre before the time it was called Germany, yeah. but the Germanic tribes. So we have this grand tradition of people who come from these European and far flung places in the world that we were the outcasts. We were the people who didn't want to be told what to do. And we came over here and we settled this country and we enjoyed a unique time of, of freedom and economic boom because we were the kind of people who didn't like to be told what to do because we right. were the people who wanted to do things for ourselves. And it's unfortunate that that, belief in self-reliance has been re- has been lost and now it's considered more normal to rely on the government yeah and you're a crazy person if you suggest that people should you know prepare for disasters or that they should grow their own food these are considered anarchic ideas to grow your own food is an anarchic idea well you know yeah. we only have about three days in the supply chain you think that this, all of this prosperity continues forever without a hiccup? H- have you read a history book? Yeah, they're, they're going to start feeling it soon because there's whole areas of China that do a lot of manufacturing that are on work closures because of coronavirus. Yep. So, yep. In my county, for example, they've closed down schools for just the day. I don't really get that, but they're, they closed down schools just for the day. How many people's work days are interrupted by that? Yeah. So it's not it's from from China on down the supply chain is having is being eaten at by these interruptions and people will feel that. It's not even I'm not I could get I'm not concerned about getting coronavirus. I might even get it. I'm a young person, I'll probably be fine. I'm concerned about what happens when people panic. People do funny things when they panic. They don't behave right. Yeah, like going out to Costco and buying up all of the toilet paper. <laughs> Did you hear the story that toilet paper might be contaminated with coronavirus? Yes, I, I immediately I, got a chuckle. And then uh, 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 I, I also saw a good meme today where uh, it shows a picture of Bernie smiling. And it's like Bernie's face when he finds out there's a toilet paper shortage. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's too good. I mean, it's yeah. like it's like you couldn't write comedy that good that the Costco betrays us. Um, Tim, Tim pool was talking about one of these videos where people were fighting each other for toilet paper. Yeah. And this woman is like grabbing this thing of toilet paper and screaming, I have a right to live. <laughs> it's like, well, that's toilet paper. Yeah. I, I don't really know that it's going to help you live, but all right. So m- my husband and I, you people know, we're washing he- their ass long before we invented a paper product. Yeah, it, I, I don't know how we're going to figure this out if yeah. the toilet paper runs out. I guess we'll just die as a species. Yes. But 
like if my husband and I, if he, if we reach this for the salt shaker at the same time, right. I'll look at him and go like, I have a right to live. <laughs> because It's just so amusing that like, why toilet paper? Yeah. It's, it doesn't make any sense. They, uh, they grabbed up all the hand sanitizer as well. Uh, and, but they left all the soap, you know, <laughs> it's yeah, people, like the soap is right there. You, you should yeah. have been using it this whole time. Also, it's like our, at our local grocery store right now, the hand sanitizer is all gone. The alcohol wipes are all gone. Oh, the God. bottles of actual alcohol are all gone. Of course. And right next to it, the spray cans of Lysol are yeah. all there. Yeah. And I'm like, huh. I mean, you could, this is probably more useful, but all right. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the next time look on the back of a can of Lysol, it says it kills coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there you go. It's not a very strong disease. Yes, it can be on stuff. And yeah, you might come along and contact it with your hands, which you'll immediately go pick your burgers with. Uh, yeah. But you could spray it with Lysol and it'll die. We went yeah. to um, a pizza restaurant last night and there was a woman in there just like hacking her freaking lungs out. Oh, of course. You could see everyone turning and like getting uncomfortable. Her. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then um, she was using the buffet. There's like a. You know, no. I live in a small country. Yeah, yeah. I live in a small country town. She's using this buffet and like the whole town is there to get the free kids meal that night. Oh, yes. And it's not like these handles are, they're wood handles and they're not new and like have lacquer on them and can be washed. Right. They're like 10 year old spatulas and the wood, the the coating on them has long since been worn, worn away off. and it's yeah. just like exposed wood. And she's up there touching every handle that she can. And I saw like six people pay and leave. <laughs> it was hilarious. And then the waitress comes up and she goes, y'all doing the buffet? And I was like, oh, no, not no. today. <laughs> I see I you, you have you a sneeze guard pizzas. installed, but I just don't trust it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and this poor woman, I'm sure she did not have coronavirus. She sounded like she was actually getting over something. Right. And like it was just like the last of it was being coughed out. But it's like the new scarlet letter. If you, if you cough in public, you're like, burn the witch. <laughs> yeah. Do the thing from uh, from one of those. uh sci-fi movies from the 1970s where everyone like stands and opens their mouth and they point like you're the evil yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> I you thought they were getting unclean. ready to right right I thought they were getting ready to run this woman out on a rail I like I felt oh terrible God. for her and I had to fix my own face because every time she would cough my head would want to like snap around and look at her <laughs> and I did really well I, I kept my eyes forward and my husband was laughing at me because he could see like the emotional strain that I was using to like keep my head pointed forward every time she she coughed. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's always fun. You can you can also troll people, you know, just get in an enclosed elevator. Start some of some of me was wondering. Yeah, I almost wondered at, at the point where she realized that everyone was staring at her. if She didn't like put a little extra show into it because I definitely would have. That is so my mo. Yeah, just make sure that you turn your head out to the general area and just really let one go. <laughs> like shake your head as you do it. Yeah. Like. <laughs> you know, then use your like your entire arm to wipe your face and then like just put it all over the seat or something. Oh like god. That. Yeah. Might as well. <laughs> Might as well, yeah. But but on the way home, um, we did kind of look at each other and be like, Okay, well maybe let's not go out to eat until this mm -hmm. thing passes. And there you go. How many people are thinking that way? How many people oh, are tons. not going to go out now? Tons. And how much is the economy going to be affected by that? A lot. And it has nothing to do with the actual virus being spread. It has to do with the mentality and the panic and, yeah. you know, psychological reaction. Yeah. Yes. Our supply chains are going to be affected. It's likely there are going to be some like quarantines and things of that nature. And people, I have been, um, I'm not a doomsday prepper. 
I've been through weather events that have kept me trapped in my house for five or six days at a time. Yeah, we live in the South. We get hurricanes all the goddamn time. Right. Hurricanes. (laughs) And we actually had a snowstorm in Atlanta in 2014. Right. That locked the city down and everybody made fun of that, but it, we weren't prepared. We didn't, we, yeah. did, we only have four snow plows for the entire city of Atlanta. So I was trapped in my home for six days. You know, I was a waitress, so I didn't keep a lot of food in my house because I ate where I worked most of the time. I was in my yeah. early twenties and, um, like day three thing, we ran out of everything and right. shit started to get real. Yeah. So now, you know, cut to this many odd years later, I, I prepare. I have enough things in my home that if suddenly they said, you got to stay in your house for the next two weeks, I would be fine. And I've been encouraging people for a long time to get themselves into a prepared place. It's not doomsday prepping. It's not doomsday to say that things happen. Storm events happen. Viruses happen. And it just makes a lot of sense. And I'm with Tim Pool on this. There's, There's a wager here. If you prepare... And nothing happens. Well, then you've got rice and beans for taco night for the next couple of weeks and you're good to go. Right. If you don't prepare and something happens, well, then you're hungry and stupid. (laughs) Don't be hungry and stupid. It's, you know, don't let people shame you into, yes, the media is playing this up because they don't want to let a good crisis go to waste. Yes, there are people acting out of irrational fear and fighting each other for toilet paper. But that doesn't say that you shouldn't prepare for yourself. Yeah. Make sure you and your family are taken care of no matter what happens. And don't let anybody shame you for wanting to do that. That is not a shameful thing. That's a smart thing. Yeah. Even when the uh, the Y2K thing was big and, you know, I go over to a friend's house and, you know, his mom has got like stacks and stacks of, you know, number 10 canned goods all over the table, you know, to the point where you can't eat at the table. I mean, it's just used uh. there. Yeah. You're kind of like, going, whoa, that's a little extreme, don't you think, for a computer thing? Yeah. But, you know, afterwards, you know, they slowly made their way through the, uh, all of the stewed tomatoes and beans and everything. But, uh, it's, it, you can't knock it too much. I mean, people can go overboard and, you know, get the underground bunker and everything. (laughs) They do. Yeah. Yeah. I think a really valuable skill to learn is, uh, pantry rotation. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you buy a couple of extra cans of something just so you have it just in case. It doesn't mean you think the sky is falling. It just means you have it. And then as you buy a new thing, that goes in the back and the old stuff comes to the front. Right. And as simple as that sounds, it actually takes a little bit of trial and error to learn. And my biggest piece of advice when it comes to that is buy stuff that you'll use. Yeah. A lot of people will try to sell you these buckets of 25-year shelf life MREs. You are never going to open that bucket. No. I mean, the, the, uh, the apocalypse that would need to happen to make it worth <laughs> it to you to open that bucket is like you're you're in way more trouble than you think. Yeah, somebody you will know, come along after the apocalypse and pick it out of your burnt down house. Uh, yeah, and it was like, oh man, score. <laughs> and then not to you know not to bring it back to guns again, but unless you have a way of defending your supplies, you're just collecting shit for the most. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to swear, but you're just collecting stuff for the guy with the most guns on your block <laughs> is what you're doing. So you need you need a healthy mix of both. <laughs> yeah, as a as a means of uh, just clarifying, you can cuss all you want on this. Uh, the FCC okay. <laughs> doesn't control me. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I don't know if people are trying to have like family friendly yeah, shows. Yeah, I know yeah, that yeah. like Tom Woods, for example, will warn beforehand. Hey, there's some cussing. So if you got kids that are listening, whatever, <laughs> and I respect that. You know, people who don't want their kids exposed to my degeneracy. Yes, because you said the word shit. Um, yeah, yeah, I am. I'm a total degenerate. <laughs> <laughs> I seen the pictures of your feet with socks 
on Facebook. Yes. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a modest woman. I don't post my bare feet. So at least not for free, right? <laughs> not for free. No. <laughs> oh man. If I thought I could make money doing that, I would do it so fast. You would be surprised. You <laughs> That's would be what surprised. my husband says every time. He's like, honey, you would be really shocked at what these perverts will pay for. And I was yeah. like, I'd rather not know. <laughs> well, uh, kind of as a joke, I like posted some pictures on OnlyFans of my uh, very hairy shoulders. And uh-huh. uh, believe it or not, I made $10. So, Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the wrong joke. business. Yeah, I was like, I got a couple of $5 requests. I was like, uh, okay, well, this is going to get shut down now before it gets too weird. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, uh, there's Rule 34, and there's no exceptions. So your your yeah. shoulders are now yes. somebody's material. Yeah, they're in somebody's collection. Uh, I don't yeah. know who. That's a little that's strange. Save to the camera roll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pasty fish belly, white skin and red shoulder hair. Just to hey, get, get everybody excited out there. <laughs> there's somebody, there's somebody for everybody out there. That is true. Whether yeah. or not that's what you want. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's how it happens. Oh, weird. All right. All right. So my furry shoulders is probably a good place to stop. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we made our point with that. Yes, we definitely did. Okay. Uh, go ahead and drop <laughs> all your plugs. Oh, okay. So I have um, currently, I have the Jessica Green show, which I put an episode out about once a week. And I'm also getting ready to launch another podcast that I'm going to be on with a co-host. It's nice. going to be called Postmodern Fallout. We're maybe a couple of weeks away from launching that. And I hope it's actually a little more professional of an operation than just me with my audacity and my my shitty video camera yeah um so we'll see how that goes and i also i'm on twitter which is probably the best place to reach me you can reach me there at anarchy toward i'm really open to conversations with people who disagree with me just as long as you're respectful and an adult about it if you start with aggression i just kind of ignore you but (laughs) otherwise i really invite conversations with people i disagree with so if you're in that category, please come talk to me. I want to learn from you. Well, that's awesome. And definitely check out the, uh, the Jessica, Green, uh, Jessica Green podcast. Uh, I've got it saved on my list. I saw that you uh, dropped one with the, with my old friend, uh, Bobby Joe Woods. Yeah, I love Bobby Joe. She is fantastic. Oh, yeah. She's an awesome guest. I've had her on twice. So it's uh, probably need to get her back on at some point. Cool, cool. Yeah, um, I've learned a lot from her. If you are at all considering losing weight. She is a really great go-to person. She is my expert when it comes to diet advice. I, I was keto for a long time. People would ask me questions. I would just turn around and ask Bobby Joe because she <laughs> is the, the fountain of information. Yes, she is. She's, she's great. All right, Jessica, we'll take it easy. Uh, we'll catch her around on Twitter and, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a friend on the Facebook. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. You're, you are one of the very few people who <laughs> are not someone I know in real life who actually has access to my Facebook. So you well, are in, is in the elect honor and a privilege. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right. No problem. All right. Have a great day. But you too. Bye. All right. And there she goes, folks, Jessica green. Definitely go check her out. She's uh one of the, one of the great ladies out there. Um, so if you would, uh, you can find all of those links down below in the show notes, but guess what else you can find in the show notes, all of the different ways that you can find value for value and, uh, give a little something back to the show, uh, patreon.com, uh, subscribe star bitbacker.io float, even the address to my PayPal. If you want to do that cash app, everything is down there. Uh, you know, I mentioned a shirt in the Teespring store 
And uh, I, I would really appreciate it if you went over there and bought a T-shirt or a coffee mug. I even have a Childerberg coffee mug where the profits are going to go to uh, Free Ross. Yeah, you can do it that way, too. All right, guys. Well, that'll do it this week. And come back next week for a brand new episode of Rebel with a Cause. Out. Out.